1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Superflex Super Show proudly brings to you. That's say Brian Harkley. Enough said. That is the Debbie Diet Kane. Bananas are the number one fruit. Our man Kane.
2: Hey.
1: <laughs> that is Caleb the Pierce Man Pearson.
3: What's going on?
1: I am James the Brain, and this is the Superflex Super Show. Guys, welcome in. We have a very special episode, if you couldn't tell. We've got some awesome guests. I'm joined by Brian Haar. We're some of the usual usual faces, usual suspects on the Superflex Super Show, but, man, we get some awesome guests from the Debbie Marketplace themselves. We have Kane. We have Caleb. And guys, before we get started, we're going to be talking about the incoming rookie class here. Really excited to drop this uh, drop this episode and to get into it. But before we do, Kane, I'm going to throw it to you first. Tell the people where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your content. I know that you put out a lot of it in different areas here.
2: Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Devi underscore Kane. Um, so I'm both the the co-host for the Debbie Marketplace. That's on Twitter at Debbie Marketplace. And that's the pod I get to do with Caleb every week where he gets to yell at me for being ridiculous and I get to yell at him for not following the rules. So it's very fun. And then I'm also the host of the Debbie Diet where I just eat snacks and talk about Debbie prospects. Um, and then I also write for DLF. So it's it's a good time and I kind of have things everywhere.
1: That is awesome. And the Devi diet, really, really cool. If you guys haven't checked that out, make sure to do so. Uh, Not only does Kane try out some really, really cool and and different types of foods, but he also compares that food to a a Devi prospect, which is always really neat. So, uh, really good work there. And now let me throw it to your co host over at the Devi Marketplace, and that is Caleb Pearson. Caleb, tell the people where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your content as well.
3: Uh, On Twitter, uh, pretty simple, at PearsonFF. And then, like Kane mentioned, uh, co-host of the Debbie Marketplace podcast. Uh, Together, me and Kane put together a no-nonsense podcast once a week. Uh, And then you can find my work and rankings and all that fun stuff over at uh, DLF.
1: That is awesome. So that makes all four of us over at DLF. You can find all of our content on DynastyWeekFootball.com. You can even... Find this podcast as part of the DLF family podcast on dynastyweekfootball.com. So now that we've addressed that, gentlemen, let's get into this, the incoming rookies. I, I am really excited about the incoming rookie class. Mainly, let's face it, this is a super flex show. We uh, we tend to gear our content towards super flex. And we've got some we've got some quarterbacks coming in uh, on this class. So, Kane, I'm gonna start with you. Joe Burrow, right now. In a lot of superflex uh, mock drafts, he is going one point oh one. With the one point oh one being valued as high as it is, are we buying the hype on Joe Burrow? Are we are we holding that one point oh one, taking him and hoping he's he's everything that we think he can be, or are we selling the one point oh one at the uh, the steep steep cost that it will cost someone to acquire it?
2: So I think I think this is a twofold question. So first, do I believe that Joe Burrow is a good quarterback? Yes. Do I believe that he's going to give you top 12 quarterback potential, the QB1 numbers not in his first year or so? Um he's a little different than Kyler where Kyler has that rushing floor. Um but Joe Burrow's great, but personally I'm selling the 101 as we get closer to that rookie draft and I'm either trying to acquire a rookie pick, a couple picks back so I can take Tua And a piece along with Tua, or I'm going to trade that 101 for an established quarterback. And one of the guys I'm actually targeting is a guy like Carson Wentz. Um, So I would rather trade the 101 and get Carson Wentz um, instead of have Joe Burrow and live with those struggles for a couple years.
1: Nice. All right. So some actionable advice there from Kane, basically telling us, hey, Joe Burrow is good. But with that 1.01, you can target a guy like Carson Wentz. So, Brian, I'm going to bring you in here. I'm going to put you on the spot here because this is what I do. You, you should expect that from me being a, a Steelers fan and me being a Browns fan. I, I wouldn't give you a heads up. I, I'm just going to put you on the spot. So, being that you are, um, I mean, I hear that you're kind of addicted to trading. Uh, I, I'm going to go to you as far as value goes. So, uh, Kane brought up a really good name with Carson Wentz. If you have the 1.01 pick, what type of package or player are you looking to get back in return for that 1.01? Uh
0: that's a great question. Um, I, I think for me, you know, being being in the position to have the 101 and acquire a quarterback, James. One of the things that we talk about on our show all the time is the cheapest place to get these quarterbacks is in startups or in rookie drafts, right? So if we kind of stick with that train of thought, um, if I'm moving the one-on-one, I'm probably moving it for a quarterback or or Saquon. but we're not going to go there right now. Um, (laughs) uh, But, but, but for real, I mean, I think, I think that's a great, what Kane said is a great idea is if there's a quarterback out there that maybe isn't being valued as highly as maybe they once were where they were, you know, a top five option at one point, but they've fallen back a little bit. um, I think that, that's definitely a great idea. Um, I just am sitting here looking at the, the um, January ADP at DLF or excuse me, December, I guess it is um, with the quarterbacks and Carson Wentz is the QB seven. I would take any of the quarterbacks in front of him for sure. And even, even maybe one or two behind him. So, you know, if you're looking at a top nine quarterback that you can get with the one Oh one, especially if you're kind of contending or, or, moving in that direction, as opposed to like being in the middle of a rebuild. If you're, if you're a couple of years away, you know, then fine, you go ahead and take Burrow, sit on him because you can afford to. Um, but if you're looking to kind of turn this team into a contender, or you already are, uh, I-, I love the idea of going after some of these veteran guys, Carson Wentz, um, you know, Dak, uh, even possibly Baker. I don't, that one's a little dicey, and maybe we'll we'll let these guys kind of chime in on, on whether or not they trade the one-on-one straight up for Baker Mayfield. But um but I like the idea of
2: doing that for sure. Well, I, I think the main reason why I bring that up is because the pick, the 101, is going to be worth more than uh Joe Burrow is as soon as he's drafted. Um and that's that's the way that it's kind of been going the past couple of years, where that that first pick is worth more than the player it ends up being so I'm more than willing to move that pick and I I like how Brian did mention that if I'm rebuilding I'm probably going to take Burrow because um, then I can get that youth and continue to rebuild my team um, but if I'm contending I would easily take a top quarterback instead of Burrow
1: okay really nice so Caleb let me bring you in the conversation here Baker mayfield. that was a name that Brian was kind of you know kind of was contentious on whether or not he would trade the one point oh one for baker mayfield where Where would you stand on that would would you would you take Baker mayfield or would you take the one point oh one in a vacuum here uh, as far as the value of that pick goes?
3: Uh, I mean, if we're talking the one point oh one versus Baker. Uh, I think that's a totally different argument than Joe Burrow versus Baker Mayfield. Uh, Because like Kane touched on, the 1.01 is going to go up in value. uh, But as soon as you put a player's name to the pick, it kind of devalues it a little bit because you don't have the freedom or the luxury of making that whoever you want. Um, So if we're arguing the 1.01 or Baker Mayfield, you know, Baker had a great rookie season. And I'm not totally abandoning ship on him yet. But I think if I'm a, re- a rebuilding team, I might take the 101 um, and hope that maybe someone kind of gets a little bit of the rookie craze. Um, but if we're talking Joe Burrow versus Baker Mayfield, I, I think I still might lean Baker um, just because we have at least seen him have a little bit of production and fantasy relevant at the NFL level.
1: Quiet, Really you. nice. <laughs> I i tell you what i like that though caleb you brought up a really good point man i mean that's why we don't walk players into picks uh anything can happen between now and the nfl draft now and our rookie drafts there's a lot of information that can come out of what can happen player value can go up or down and that's why we don't want to we don't want to you know just put hey joe burrow is for for sure the 1.01 so what do we want the 1.01 has more value because like you said you know, that there's not a player there, you know, so, um, so that's a really good point. I'm glad that you made that and Caleb, I'm going to stay with you. I got a question about, uh, about Tua, about Tua Tagovailoa and, uh, where do you have Tua Tagovailoa ranked right now? I know it's tough to rank him because the medicals, because we don't know draft capital, that sort of thing. And that's going to really, I think, play pretty heavily on him. But as of right now with his tape, where do you have him ranked, uh, in your quarterback rankings?
3: Uh, right now, um, I've still got him number one. Uh, I try not to let injuries play too uh, too much into my rankings. I kind of just leave that for the NFL teams to, you know, kind of decide that. If we see someone take Tua, you know, in the top ten in the NFL draft, we're going to assume that his medical's checked out, and then no one's super worried. Um, you know, he has a little bit of an injury history, um, but when you watch Tua's tape with the injuries aside, um, he's phenomenal. There's there's really no big red flags that he has. We've seen him produce multiple years at Alabama. Uh, you know he's got a good deep ball. He's he's athletic. You know compared to Joe Burrow, who's only got the one year of production at LSU. And I mean, don't get me wrong, it was an elite one year of college production. Um, but I'm I'm still leaning to us slightly um, just given that we've got a little bit more to go off of with uh, three years of production versus Burrow. Uh, you know two year starter, but really only one year of uh, top production
1: yeah, yeah. That's, that's very fair
0: uh, yeah and and I just want to jump in there with with speaking on on Burrow and and the one year of production do you guys see him as more of a I mean first of all let's acknowledge the year again it was a historical year against some of the best competition in the country. So, um, definitely very impressive. So don't want to take anything away from him there, but do you guys see this as like a Mitch Trubisky type situation where he had a really, really good final season before he comes out? Or is this something where you think that this, the Joe burrow we saw this year is the Joe burrow that we're going to eventually see in the national football league, maybe not right away, but you know, two, three years down the road, can this guy develop into that player in the, in the league?
3: Um, you know, I, he's definitely ahead of Mitch where Mitch Trubisky was, um, Trubisky's season was nowhere near, uh, the season Burrow had this year, but I think, you know, I should clarify, we all get so quick to say, Oh, Joe Burrow, he's only got one year, but you know, he was the starter at LSU the year before. Um, and if you kind of go back and look at that back half of his season, he kind of starts to turn it on there towards the end of the year. Um, And starts showing some of his his traits and the production that we saw this year, Um, not to the same extent. So, you know, I kind of look at it as you know he had one and a half years of you know good QB production. Um, I'd say having Joe Brady was also a big plus to his game. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, from all the reports I've read and you know what everyone's reported, him and him and Joe Brady, you know, really clicked, and you know it obviously showed on the field. So. I can see this, the skepticism of, Oh, you know, he could be a flash in the pan or he could be this, you know, elite franchise quarterback. So I'm I'm still going to bank that what we saw this year from Joe Burrow is what he's capable of doing. Um, you know, it's definitely better than the season we saw Mitch Trubisky have. Um, but I mean, it definitely warrants some skepticism of, you know, can this guy continue to produce at this elite level without, you know, the supporting cast, the coach and, uh, you know, put it together for more than one year. Yeah.
2: I, I think I think for me, it goes back to the systems that the quarterbacks are running in college. Um, so the style that UNC was running when Trubisky was there um, was a little bit more of a pro-style system, um, which the NFL is moving away from slightly. And the system that Joe Burrow was running this past year is what the NFL is moving towards. So we're looking at a guy that is that has the potential at least to go to Caleb's Bengals with a guy that has you know, some offensive prowess or is at least supposed to have some offensive prowess under that McVay coaching tree. And if he can use Burrow the way that he was used in college, he's gonna excel a lot faster than Mitch Trubisky is because he's not learning a whole different offense.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's very fair, and I I think that's that's a good way to wrap up this conversation with uh, with Burrow and with uh, um, with Tua uh, is is to kind of say that yeah that the one of the things that we have to keep in keep in mind is is the offenses that they're running nowadays, and and uh, and it definitely kind of helps us to know uh, what type of offense they're running when we're looking at the tape and we're trying to evaluate these prospects and what they're being asked to do that's different than years past. So, um, guys, I do want to move on to your sleepers because you guys have some sleepers for us. And again, this being a super flex centric show, the quarterback position is huge. We want to find that guy that we can take in the third or fourth round of our drafts and we can turn into, you know, a guy who can, can produce for us a uh, Gardner Minshew, someone like that. So guys, you guys have some sleepers for us at the quarterback position. Kane, I'm going to start with you. Who is your sleeper? Who's the guy that you think could actually contribute for a, an NFL team and a fantasy team that, uh, that we're just not talking enough about right now.
2: So part of this goes out to my friend Stompy who, uh, who got me in a in a bet, and that's why my avatar on Twitter is Lamar Jackson. Um, so I'm going with the rushing quarterback, and I'm going with Jalen Hurts. Um, and I know a lot of people aren't going to be as high on Jalen Hurts as they were on Lamar Jackson coming out, because obviously Lamar Jackson had a lot more uh, passing prowess than Jalen Hurts did, and was in kind of a better System for the modern day NFL, um, but Jalen Hurts isn't something to be slouched upon. Um, I think I saw a stat today that he was close to three to one touchdown to interception ratio. Um, so it's not that he's a poor passer, but he's a phenomenal runner. Uh, I he's not as good as Lamar. I think Lamar is going to be a little bit faster than um, than Jalen Hurts is. But I don't think you need to spend high rookie draft capital on Jalen Hurts. Um, no matter where he gets drafted, I still don't think people are going to uh, draft him in the first round of rookie drafts unless he's going in the first round, which the way that the mocks are going right now is a far-fetched idea.
1: Really nice. So uh, one of the things that I saw, Kane when I watched uh, tape on uh, on Jalen Hurts was he, he is a fantastic he he's great at making plays with his legs. The one concern I had was he seemed to fumble a lot when he tried to run the ball. Um, his his fumble total was pretty high. I think he had eight fumbles this last year, um, eleven a couple years ago when he was starting in Alabama. What what do we make of the uh, the fumbling issue there? Is that something to be concerned about, or um, do you think that that's something that he can work out of his game with proper uh, you know proper ball security and, and you know uh, what they're going to teach him here in the NFL?
2: I I'm not worried about that. Um, I think part of that is due to him seeming to always be running for his life behind that Oklahoma offensive line. And I, th- I think that's most of it, right, is as he's trying to do everything behind the line of scrimmage, he's not able you know, to have as much ball security as he'd like. Um, and I realize that that's not probably the greatest answer that people want, but I don't think that's going to be as much of an issue because obviously NFL coaches are going to hammer that home. Um, so I'm not as worried about that, but obviously it's still a concern. Um, but I would just kind of move that one to the
1: back of your mind. Fair enough, Brian. Uh, before we move on to uh Caleb Sleeper here, uh, do you have any thoughts on Jalen Hurts, uh, watching him in Oklahoma this past year or watching him at Alabama even a couple years ago before Tua kind of came in there and and took that job? Um,
0: I mean, I think he's a winner. I mean, I it's it's that's an easy thing to say. I mean I mean the kid wins football games. It's not always the prettiest stuff, but um, you know, he does have the rushing abilities he's a very good runner. Um you know, and and he he doesn't always make great throws, but he seems to make timely throws. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure where I stand on him as an NFL prospect at, at this point. Um, I, I'm. I'm kind of up in the air. Um, but I was up in the air last year with Lamar Jackson at this point too. So and I've come <laughs> all the way around on board. Obviously, like like pretty much everybody else has. So we'll see what happens with this one. But, um, but yeah, I mean the kid's a winner. He's won a lot of football games throughout his college career. So uh, you got to like that.
1: Absolutely. And he was smart enough to showcase CD lamb as well. We got to see, uh, him kind of ball out, uh, there with Oklahoma. So, um, Caleb, let's move on to you. You actually have a, uh, a big 10 prospect, uh, sleeper quarterback that you're going to discuss with us. So you're speaking to my heart here a little bit. Um, so go ahead. Who is your sleepy sleeper at the quarterback position for the incoming rookies this year?
3: Um I, I tried to pick a guy that's not really gotten any mainstream media attention. Um, you know, no one in the dynasty community is really talking about him because you know after those top six or seven quarterbacks, it's almost like the quarterback position doesn't exist anymore. Um so I went with Nate Stanley, the quarterback out of Iowa. Um, if you're just look at his stats, he's not gonna blow you off the, you know, blow you out of the water. Um, he kind of regressed a little bit in his senior year um as far his, as as far as his touchdown to interception ratio um but you know when we're looking at sleeper we're just looking at guys that if they're given a shot can they come in and and be fantasy relevant enough to to make an impact on your dynasty roster and i think someone like stanley kind of fits what you would be looking for um someone that played in a pro style of offense in college you know has the prototypical nfl size played under center played on played from the gun um you know showed that he can make some deep throws showed that he can be mobile enough to move around the pocket, you know, he doesn't really pop off the charts anywhere in terms of, oh, this guy's got killer arm strength, or this guy can move and, you know, do stuff on the ground like Jalen Hurts does, but he's consistent enough and has the mold um, to be a good NFL backup, Um, and we saw someone like Gardner Minshew, you know, being a backup can lead to fantasy relevance um, with injury, so um, he's definitely got some things he's going to have to work on. He's not in a, a top quarterback prospect, but I think he'll, I think he can land somewhere as a backup on an NFL team. Um, and like we saw with Minshew, all it takes is an injury to go from, you know, bench warmer to a fantasy relevant quarterback.
1: And I love that given us someone totally off the beaten path that we haven't really talked about very much thus far in the, uh, in the process here is uh, as, as a name here, does anybody else have anything to add with Nate Stanley? Is there anything that anyone sees with him that, uh, that would differ from maybe what Caleb is seeing?
0: He's a big boy, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. two hundred two hundred and forty five pound quarterback. That's uh, meaty.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and the thing that I, I really like that Caleb kind of kind of alluded to is that you know playing in a pro style offense, playing under center. There's there's there should be less of a learning curve as far as the fundamentals go as, as, as that, that goes. I mean, his footwork was fine too. So, um, I I think that helps if you're going to be a backup quarterback, you know, um, you're going to come in and you're not going to have to worry too much about how to take a snap under center. Not that, not that that's a a huge thing to learn or a very, very difficult thing, but that's not something he's going to have to think about even for a little bit. So uh, I think that helps his cause too. Um, So guys, let's move on to the running backs. This running back class is it's stacked, right? It's, it's a fantastic running back class. And Kane, I'm bringing you in on this. This is where you and I are going to have some back and forth because we see this a little bit differently. I am in the minority here. You are definitely in the majority as far as at least, at least on Twitter goes. Um, And and the people that I respect that break down the film and that use the analytics are all kind of on your side here. So Kane. As a Cam Akers truther, sell me on why Cam Akers is a top five running back in this class.
2: Well, who else is there? Right. So I, I think I think part of it is he's defaulted into your top five at this point, right? So you have Swift, you have Taylor, you have J.K. Dobbins. And if you want to put Clyde Edwards-Lair up there, you can. But there's no fifth guy. Um, so that has to be Cam Akers. Cam Akers coming in to college was one of the most athletic running backs that we had seen in a very long time. Um, And I'll still say that he's probably a bit more athlete than he is running back at this point. Um, But you you have to just, even if you just want to look at his stats, you can look at them and say, like, wow, he had some pretty good seasons. And then you find out that the Florida State offensive line allowed a stuff percentage. That means that the running back either got hit at the line or behind the line of scrimmage on 24.8% of rushes the last two years combined. So he's getting all this production with a terrible offensive line. They were ranked in the bottom like 3 percentile each of the last two years. That's atrocious. That's even worse than what Dalvin Cook had to do when he was uh, with a similar offensive line at Florida state. Um, so not only do you have that you add in uh, because obviously we play in PPR leagues, you add in that, that receiving ability. And all of a sudden he's rising up boards like he should be. So I I'm not worried about cam acres. Um, there was one report that said that he was an undrafted free agent. Um, that guy has since deleted that tweet. Um, that was a well-known guy and he has since deleted it. So I don't think we need to worry about cam acres, not getting drafted high in this draft. Uh, when we've seen other top guys return back to school. And I think he's just going to be defaulted up there, whether you like him or not.
1: All right. So th- th- you made some good points. I mean, w- when going through this and initially my statement was that he wasn't a top five back and that was when I fully expected that, uh, that, uh, that ETM was going to come out. You know, I didn't think he was going back to school um, since then though. Uh, yeah. It's, it's pretty tough to find a fifth back. I think, I think I firmly have the other four ahead of him. But that fifth back, I I guess uh, I guess I'm coming around to the idea of Cam Akers being that number five spot. There's really no one else to compete with him too much. Um, There are some other guys that I like, but I think Cam Akers might be worth a uh, worth a flyer. So, Kane, you won me over already. Uh, I I think that was uh, that was well done. Well, well, uh, well laid out by you, sir. Take that, Caleb. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Caleb, take that. But Caleb, you're going to have a chance to kind of get uh, get back at him here because my next question for you is what did, What does your top five running back rankings look like in this class?
3: Uh, well, you just kind of you just kind of uh, mentioned. So the, the the running back class a month ago looked a lot better than it does today. Uh, we had Travis Etienne go back to school. We had Najee Harris go back to school. We had uh, Chuba Hubbard go back to school. Uh, who are all guys that you know? You could argue were worthy of top five, um, but it, it's still a it's still a pretty deep deep class, um, top end heavy. Uh, so at number one, I have DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. Uh, number two is J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. Three, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. Uh, four, Kane's boy uh, Cam Akers from Florida State. Holla, and then. <laughs> and then um, Five right now uh, is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but I really struggled here uh, going back and forth between him and Zach Moss, but uh, I think Edwards-Hilaire is a little more versatile, Uh, so I went ahead and stuck him in at five, but I've kind of got a tear break after uh, Akers at four.
1: I could come around on those rankings. I really can. Uh, Those... Those sound about right to me. I have Acres at five and Alara at four, but uh, Moss would have been the guy that I would have been considering. Same thing with uh, with a few other guys uh, in this class that I really, really like. So let's let's get to some sleepers because we've got the top the top names. You know, we kind of got those, and and everyone's kind of heard of those guys. But who are guys that can be had later in rookie drafts that you think you know what this guy could be every bit as good as some of those top guys if if you know the landing spots right and the circumstances right. Who are your sleepers? Let's start with you, Kane. It looks like you got a couple for us.
2: Yeah, so I cheated. Um, I I added two just because I think the last one needs to be talked about. I'm so I glad I'm so I don't glad. think he's getting love. Um, as a Big Ten guy, um, I have to first talk about Anthony McFarlane Jr. Um, if if you're gonna watch tape on Anthony McFarlane Jr., do it from 2018 and not 2019. Um, that's, that's the first hint that I would give you. Um, I think he's, he's good. I think he needs to, just like the other guy I'm going to mention, I think he needs to gain a little bit of weight. Um, I think he came in at what, 5'10", 198, um, his last year at Maryland. So definitely a guy I want to see just bulk up just a hair. Um, and, I, I don't see him as a guy that's going to obviously a bit be a bell cow or lead a, a two-back set, but I think he's going to be a guy that's very valuable because um, he catches passes well. And when he gets the ball, he's incredibly electric because he's so athletic. Um, so definitely some, th- some guy I want to keep on my radar and make sure that I'm always looking at um, how much he's going to cost in rookie drafts. Um, and then the second guy is Eno Benjamin. So I just put him on here because um, there was a decent amount of hate coming out on Twitter um, after the senior bowl measurements, and he came in at 5'9", 195. So I just mentioned him here because I think he has a three-down skill set. Now, whether he'll be drafted high enough to utilize that three-down skill set, that I'm not sure. But at least... With anyone that has a three down skill set, I want to at least mention them so people realize that's, that that's a guy that they can keep on their radar, especially late second round, if he's not getting the draft capital.
1: I like that. I like that a lot. First off, with uh with McFarlane, I'd like to add I I think he has the frame to add that bulk. So um I I, I like the fact that he it seems like he he should be able to do that now with with Eno Benjamin I I uh, I struggled a little bit with his tape um kind of watching him uh, it seemed like there was some inconsistencies in his game can you uh can you tell me where you think Eno Benjamin as of right now again this can change we we know there's a lot uh with the the combine hasn't even happened and then we have the NFL draft but as of right now let's say you had to do a rookie draft right now um for for incoming rookies where would you expect that you would have to take a guy like Eno Benjamin
2: um, so that'd be around like the two o six, right now. If we're doing a super flex, mock draft, I I think he I want to say he went, um, about two o seven or two o eight in the Devi marketplace when we did.
1: Okay, really nice. So so mid to late second is kind of where you can expect him to go. I I think that's a uh, a a real nice spot for a guy like that guy who we heard uh, a couple years ago about you know uh, his his upside. Um, he was considered one of the top draft prospects back then in in this uh uh one of the top Devi running backs in this draft class. So uh, really interesting. Caleb you have a name for us that we've heard kind of floated around a little bit here. Um if you have your ear to the ground, but uh but tell me who your sleeper is and, and why you think that this guy can be relevant in the week.
3: Uh yeah. So uh I, I went with uh Michael Warren, uh the running back out of Cincinnati. Uh you know I'm I'm from Indiana, you know, right on the border. So a lot of Bearcats fans around here. Uh, and, you know, so I, I spent a good amount of my Saturdays, you know, watching football with these guys that are watching Cincinnati Bearcat games and, you know, just kept seeing this guy and this name pop up. And, you know, he's actually starting to gain a little bit of momentum, uh, you know, on draft Twitter and with uh, draft analysts. Uh, but what I like about him is, you know, he he's a complete back. You know, he can run the ball well and he can catch the ball well. And, you know, when I'm looking at running backs, I definitely only want to take, you know, not definitely, but I really like to look for guys that can catch the ball well, because, you know, in today's NFL, you know, you got to be able to catch the ball to stay on the field. And even more so, you know, in PPR leagues, which is what I think 90% of us play, you know, that's added value. So he has shown um, in college that he can do both. You know, he can hold up to, uh, you know, a workhorse back amount of carries, Um, I mean, if you're into analytics, you know, he had a really high dominator rating. He's got good strength, you know, runs with power, uh, but he's also, you know, pretty versatile. He can make some good cuts out in the open field, make guys miss. Um, So I just think he's really complete and well-rounded. You know, he might not stand out as well as these other guys as far as, you know, the explosiveness or the, you know, big play threat. But, you know, he's got good vision. He runs with power. And I just think he's a a very well-rounded back.
1: Really like it. Yeah, that's that's a guy that can be had later in drafts, too, as of right now. But I got to keep an eye on, you know, all these names, even the sleepers are guys to keep an eye on for the combine and, you know, keep your ear to the ground. You're going to hear some of these names interviewing with some teams. They might be moving up or down some draft boards. So uh, this is really good information that you guys are dropping on us. Uh, the one thing I do want to point out, Caleb, you uh, kind of mentioned as far as analytics go, I mean, you guys do a fantastic job on the Debbie marketplace, m- you know, kind of uh, mirroring the analytics and the film. And uh, and I think it's it's important that we kind of take just a second to address how important both of them are. Uh, both analytics and film work together to paint a picture on a prospect. I think it's silly to ignore one or the other. I think it's uh, it's a really good message you guys are sending in the community to use both of those things together uh, to make the most uh, you know the 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 best decision you can, the most informed decision you can on some of these prospects. So uh, kudos to you, gentlemen, for for doing that and for for marrying those two uh, those two worlds kind of together because those have been feuding worlds for a long time.
2: Yeah, and I, I I think if you if you see me on Twitter, um I give some analytics people a hard time. Um and that's that's not because I don't necessarily like believe the information that they're saying, but I think everyone should at least have their their way of thinking questioned. And I think that's really important to both sides of the argument, whether it's strengthening your argument by other people trying to poke holes in it or just having Other people try and understand it through a different lens. I think that's just a really important conversation. Uh, But if you see me on Twitter, I'm always going to be a little skeptical of um, analytic stuff just because I feel like someone has to.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that's, uh, you guys going to bat for that is, is, is really neat. So Brian, uh, running back wise, before we wrap up the running backs and move on to some of the wide receiver talk, uh, do you have anything that you want to add as far as the running backs go? Some of the top names, some of the sleeper names, anything like that?
0: Uh, the only thing that I'll say is I, it would not shock me at all. If JK Dobbins ends up being the best running back out of this class, as far as the national football league career goes, um, I'm super, super high on Dobbins, And I think they're in the championship game if he doesn't twist that ankle. I know he came back um, into that game, but he was not quite as effective as he was early in the game. Um, The way he started that semifinal against Clemson was just, I mean, he was a beast. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do um, through testing and everything. And then where he lands, because if he lands in a great spot, uh, I think we're gonna see just a just an absolute baller at the next level,
1: and th- and this just goes to show how how uh, you know these top backs how um, how closely they are ranked because everyone's gonna have their preference and I think most people have DeAndre Swift as their running back one and I I think he's a fantastic prospect I also think J.K. Dobbins is a fantastic prospect and yet my number one is Jonathan Taylor so. Um, the- <laughs> Uh, it, it just kind of shows that that top echelon that top tier of running back is uh is very good and it's going to depend on personal preference landing spot uh combine performance all that the the little things um that are going to separate these guys maybe draft capital and landing spot isn't a little thing but even the combine can can kind of sway you a little bit when they're this close uh as far as prospects go so um Guys, let's move on to wide receiver. I really want to do that because this wide receiver class is very interesting as well. We have heard a lot of names. There's a lot of people who are high on some prospects, lower on some. But the tier one guys, the top guys kind of seem to be, you know, Maybe not even those guys are, are consensus because there's a lot of guys who are uh, kind of up and down on Jerry Judy. So, Kane, I am going to ask you, who is in your top two tiers of wide receivers in this class? And if they're not in tier one, tell me why. Um, so I, I wrote
2: down on the show sheet my tier one, tier two, and there's even some guys I could have put in tier two. And I'm not even sure if this is my whole tier two list because I think so many just fit into like that. Tier two slash tier three range. Um, but for my tier one, it's pretty clear cut. Um, CD Lamb and Jerry Judy, those are the only two I i have tier one. And it's going to take a decent amount of, um, both draft capital and good landing spot for anyone to move up into that tier one. I just think they're heading, those two are head and shoulders above, um, some of the other guys in this draft. And I think the draft capital will dictate them, um, to be there as well. So those are my tier one guys. Um, and then I have what, six tier two guys. Um, the first being Rager. If you watch the new Debbie diet, he was obviously on there. And, um, on the Debbie diet, I put a tier one slash tier two guy. And I think Rager lives right between those two tiers, um, depending on landing spot. Um, and then Tyler Johnson, obviously as a season ticket holder for the Gophers, um, I'm a huge Tyler Johnson fan. I will own that bias. Um, cause that's, that's just what I have. Um, Justin Jefferson from LSU. I think he's terrific. He's a great route runner. The way that he, the way that he looks so smooth going in and out of his breaks, um, especially about on inward breaking routes, I think is, is really, really exciting. He just sinks his hip so low, um, when he's moving and it's really hard to defend, um, Isaiah Hodgins from Oregon State, also a guy that I'm I'm in love with. Um, but I don't think he's to the level of CD and CD Lamb and Jerry Judy yet. Um, but I obviously think there's a chance that he get there, gets there. He had a massive dominator rating in college um and a huge market share as well. Um, and that was in in an air raid style system. So obviously the amount of work he gets moves up a little bit just because of that. But I think he's fantastic. Um, His his ability to high point passes down the field on 50-50 contested balls, I think, is one of the top in this class. Um, And he does that really, really well. And I think that's going to be an instant spot where he's going to be able to do that for an NFL team. And I think that is part of the reason why he might be um, a day two pick. Um, Gandy Golden, um, if you've been on Twitter at all, he's been tearing up the the uh, senior bowl a little bit with some good route running i think this is the senior bowl was the first big test for him of some actual quality competition obviously he's coming out of liberty who just uh got mainstream d1 this year um and made a pro bowl so really proud of what huge hugh freeze is doing at liberty but agg i think is a guy that uh that he could become the one, but I think there's quite a few things that he's good at, but I don't think there's any that he's great at yet, but I definitely think that he can get there. Um, and then the last guy in my tier two is LaVisca Chenault. Um, if if you listen to the Debbie Marketplace at all, um, Caleb and I constantly have conversations about, about LaVisca Chenault for, for a variety of reasons. Um, I think part of it, is because his injury concern. Um, I think another another thing with LaVisca Chenault that I recently put out on Twitter was um, just how many manufactured touches is a guy like that going to need to be successful for your fantasy football team? Um, and that's a new thing that I've been kind of diving into just to look at the manufactured touches. Um, and so what I mean by that is so if we think back to like Percy Harvin when he was with the Vikings, um, just how many touches he needed on whether it's ender on whether it's jet sweeps, on slant routes and drag routes, um, and those sort of things that really get him open and get him the chance to use his speed in space, um, screens, bubble screens, anything like that. Um, that's definitely something that I want to look at. And that's the way that Chenault was used in college. So do I, do I fault him for that for him needing a couple of years in the NFL to really excel as a true wide receiver? No, but I think right now we need to have him in that tier two conversation and he's not tier one because of, of those couple of years that we could be missing out on production along with adding that, uh, that injury concern is definitely an issue for me.
1: Yeah, very interesting. Some some really cool names that you, you brought up. I, I like a lot of these guys. Hodgins is a guy I'm going to have to go and, and watch some film on yet. Um, I haven't watched too much on him. And Chenault is is really a polarizing prospect. Like you said, the injury history is there, and there's a risk there. Um, also, it seems like he's more, more athlete than wide receiver at this point. Uh, his athletic prowess is going to be why they're going to manufacture touches for him, kind of like you hinted. Uh, you know, in the in the league, that's that's going to be a uh, uh, you know a, a point of contention, I'm sure, for many that uh, that he's going to have those have to have those manufactured touches to to return value. However, um, it could take just uh, just a few of those for him to to bring one to the house because of his athletic ability. So, very interesting type of boomer bust pick, in my opinion. I love um AGG, uh, I really do. I, I know the the small school thing from Liberty is is something that makes him sometimes a little tough to uh to to really uh grade on film, but uh but there there's a lot that he does very, very good. And so I think uh, I think his transition to the week is going to be interesting to watch. His landing spot I think is going to be important. Not only landing spot and opportunity, but uh what kind of coaching he's gonna get the receiving coaching there and uh and that sort of thing. So uh, some, some very, very good names here, Kane. I like it. Caleb, let's move on to you. I want you to give me a few wide outs and where their dream landing spot would be for you. So give us a few wide outs and you go, man, if this guy lands here, it would be a dream scenario. Tell me who, tell me where, and tell me why.
3: Uh, first one is Jalen Rager. Um, you know, He's one of Kane and I's favorite prospects. Uh, We've talked about him on the last couple Debbie marketplace. Um, I would like to see him land. Um, I think an ideal spot for him would be uh, somewhere like green Bay. Uh, I still believe Aaron Rodgers is, you know, a phenomenal quarterback. His, he's still got plenty left in the tank for green Bay. Um, And they've got Devontae Adams, but after that, they really don't have a clear number two. Um, So, you know, you've got Devontae Adams, he's your big bodied wide receiver, you know, 50-50 jump balls. He's a great route runner, um, but he can also win with his size. So if you pair him with someone like Jalen Rager, uh, who's a little smaller, a little quicker, uh, I think they will complement each other well. Uh, My next one is uh, CeeDee Lamb. Uh, I keep seeing everyone mock Henry Ruggs to Philadelphia Um, And I'm not sure if Lamb makes it to Philadelphia, but since this is dream landing spots, I don't really care where he's being mocked to right now. Um, Carson Wentz is a great quarterback. I I get the injury concerns, but we can't take away from how good of a quarterback he's been when he's healthy. Um, And he's been doing it with Nelson Aguilar. Uh, You know, they've brought Jordan Matthews back three times. Um, You know, he's got good tight ends and They attempted to get him someone with Alshon Jeffrey, but I just don't think that one's going to pan out. So get Carson Wentz, a dominant number one wide out, um, someone that can line up all over the field, do whatever they want him to do in that offense. I think that would just be an amazing pairing. Uh, And then my last one uh, is, is Jerry Judy. And I'm not full on in the club of people that think Jerry Judy is this horrible prospect because of his analytics. Um, because he does have great tape, but I'm still a little skeptical on how he will be if he's going to be relied upon as a team's number one wide receiver, um, because I think one of the reasons he excelled at Alabama is, you know, defenses didn't zero in on him. They had guys like Ruggs and Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell, um, to which really helped uh, Jerry Judy, You know, get one-on-one coverage. They lined him up in the slot a lot to, you know, create mismatches. So uh, I I would like to see him land in Denver. Um, I I like what they're doing out there with Drew Locke. You know, they're bringing in some intriguing pieces, and I think he would be a great complement to Cortland Sutton. Uh, I think they both have their strengths and weaknesses that will complement each other well. uh, And he wouldn't be relied upon as the number one there. So I think when they traded away Emmanuel Sanders, they kind of left a hole open. Um, you know, needing that number two wide receiver, or you know, one A to Cortland Sutton's one B. So uh, I I would really like to see him go somewhere where he's not going to just be thrown into the fire and told to you know go line up and see opposing defenses' number one cornerback every play.
1: I love that. I love that. Um... And and just for transparency, I am I am super high on Rager as well. He's my my wide receiver three in this class behind the same two that you guys have. Well, CD Lamb and Jerry Judy that you have. Kane, for sure. Um, I I would salivate at at Rager going to Green Bay. They have no one to stretch the field. That really was a, a point of contention for them this year. Uh, that would be really nice to see somebody that could could stretch the field a little bit. That could be a deep threat. We know Aaron Rodgers can throw the ball uh, deep. You know he has that good deep ball accuracy, and because he can extend plays with his feet, even though we didn't see it as much this year, maybe that's why. Maybe it's because he didn't have anyone that could uh, that could really go out there and get the ball. Uh, you know on those deep throws. So um, that that would be a fantastic landing spot. Not that all of them wouldn't but man that one really kind of stood out to me so uh fantastic there so uh, guys let's get to your wide receiver sleepers this wide receiver class is pretty deep there are some sleepers there are some guys that are not being talked about kane why don't we start with you who is your wide receiver sleeper who's a guy we can get later in rookie drafts that no one's talking about now that will be uh once he's drafted
2: yeah so i think every time i'm a guest on a pod, I bring up the same wide receiver sleeper name over and over and over again. Um, I think part of that is because Lynn Bowden Jr. finally just liked my tweet on one of my tweets on Twitter. I think part of that could be, be because I just really, really like him as a prospect. And I think part of it is because um, just the way that the NFL is trending, I think a guy like Lynn Bowden is really interesting. Um, if If you are a guy that kind of just looks at a little more stats, As you're kind of looking at these college prospects to figure out who you need to watch, um, his stats are going to look skewed. So, before the season, the starting quarterback at Kentucky got injured. Um, Lynn Bowden Jr. was a quarterback in high school. So, they transitioned him to quarterback um, and he played more of a wildcat role. The guy averaged 7.9 yards per carry. Again, that's 7.9 yards per carry and they had no other weapons. There was no one else to give the ball to, and he just repeatedly ran the ball and did it for almost eight yards a clip. This guy is incredibly athletic. Um, if we're talking about manufactured touches again, I think he might be a guy that uh, is going to rely on those a little bit at first. But if we're just looking at what kind of rookie draft capital we're going to put in, we're talking late third, early fourth round in super flex leagues right now. Um, I'm more than happy to spend that draft capital on Lynn Bowden Jr. Um, and I think he is the has a chance to become a really interesting weapon in the NFL. And we're looking at um, wide receiver two upside for a guy drafted that late in rookie draft. I'll happily take it.
1: Yeah, sounds like a high upside playmaker, a guy that you can get weight in drafts. That could be uh, a guy that uh, that could definitely put up some big plays and help help out some fantasy owners. So that is that is uh, definitely a name I'll be watching. And I'm going to have to watch some more film on him because I haven't seen enough of him to to make a judgment yet on him. But, Caleb... Your sleeper, I have definitely seen enough of. I am higher on than the majority of people, and I cannot wait for you to to clue everyone in on this prospect, a guy who I have been waiting to break out for a long time, and this year he finally had a, uh, had a very, very quietly uh, good year for Texas.
3: Yeah, I, I, I'm afraid that if uh, everyone keeps talking about uh, Devin DuVernay the way we are, that by the time we hit draft time, he's no longer going to be a sleeper. Uh, That's big play Duvernay to you. <laughs> Sorry, uh, big play Duvernay uh, was a pretty highly recruited prospect uh, to Texas. Uh, he played all four years, uh, so you know he he played his senior season this year. Um, and up until then, he was pretty quiet, um, pretty underwhelming uh, based off of what was kind of expected of him. But he kind of hit a stride this year. Uh, kind of dominated out of the slot position. Uh, you know, he, he's reliable. He's got good hands. Um, he, he was always just, when you're watching his tape, he was just always open kind of in that soft spot of the zone on defense. You know, that old reliable third down target. Uh, and then when he gets the ball in his hands, whew, he is a rack monster. He's got good speed. He's got good acceleration. He's He's just a quick little guy that can pick up extra yards, but he's still a powerful little guy. Uh, if you look back at the LSU game this year, uh, there was a couple times where he made Grant Delpit uh, just look silly. The one time when he just ran right over him, just lowered his shoulder and and just kept moving. And then another time when Delpit attempted to tackle him and he shook him off like it was nothing and picked up a first down. So he is a dynamic, um, dynamic quick little guy that can play out of the slot. Um, I mean, I guess if we're looking to nitpick him, You know, he did have a later breakout. Um, He probably isn't going to hit analytics guys, uh, you know, dominate dominator rating threshold, but I I don't really care. Um, You're not going to have to invest a first round pick in him. So analytics, you know, throw him out the window. I want to leave every rookie draft with a big play Duvernay on my team.
1: Oh, absolutely. I can, I could talk DuVernay with you gentlemen, the entire podcast, but we are going to move on before I do though, Brian, I want to get your feedback here. Uh, CD lamb, uh, Jerry Judy, where do you stand on the top, uh, the top end of this wide receiver class? Uh, what do you, especially with Jerry Judy, um, really a polarizing figure. A lot of, a lot of, people have him uh you know as the wide receiver one or two and then a lot of people have him lower uh, especially because of the the uh the analytics so uh what do you think about jerry judy and specifically and if not then what about cd lamb if uh, you want to comment on either one of those guys and your thoughts
0: yeah i mean i like both guys a lot obviously um i, I think so so judy to me I mean, i mean i've Judy makes people look dumb too on the field all the time. Like he's open all the time. His route runnings I think his route running is ridiculous. So um I'm I'm kind of excited to see uh what what he does and where he ends up landing. Um and, and then of course CeeDee Lamb is just so well rounded, uh just a just a hell of a receiver in the production outstanding in college um and same thing there we're just really excited to see where he ends up landing i think both of those guys are guys worthy of of high first round picks even in super flex um you know so we'll 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 see what happens with them but i think they're both they're they're clearly like like these guys have said i mean those are the two for me i mean those are clearly the the top tier um and you know beyond that it's a it's a drop so um that's kind of where I stand on them, but but the one question I want to ask, and I know James, we're we're pushing up on time, but um, do you guys? So Penn State guy, right? So I got to ask about KJ Hamler. Um, I'm one that always supports these kids' decisions. So whatever they think is in their best interest is the decision that they need to make. Um, having said that, this was a kid locally here who my I kind of thought at least personally that he might have benefited from staying in school another year um some of that may be selfish <laughs> selfishness as a fan uh but but regardless do you think KJ Hamler is a guy that can uh latch on with a team and kind of carve out a role uh, maybe as a slot receiver um special teamer I don't know um he, he's he's a good kid uh in, in the in the grand scheme of the community here and everything so i just wanted to get your quick thoughts on on kj if you guys don't mind real quick
2: yeah so first i forgot that you were a penn state guy so i'm just gonna brag for one quick second hashtag row the boat um because being a gopher guy that's the only big game we've ever won so um (laughs) i have to be excited about that so um Sorry, Brian, but I was at the game, and that was probably the most spectacular game I've ever been at and seen live, so that was really fun, but um, I like KJ Hamler. I think he he has a chance, along with some of these other um, what I call manufactured touches guys, and I think he's a guy that actually needs less manufactured touches than a guy like Chenault, than a guy like Lynn Bowden Jr., um, some of those guys, and That's one of the reasons why he's been slowly moving up my uh, my wide receiver rankings, because I think he's one of the better route runners out of those guys. And I think that could instantly cover a role um, with his speed, with his route running and just how quickly he releases off the line of scrimmage that can easily find him a role in the NFL.
3: Yeah, I I would agree with uh, Kane there as well. I definitely think there's going to be NFL teams that fall in love with him. Um, we, we saw it last year. The NFL fell in love with Marquise Brown. You know, they're probably going to fall in love with Henry Ruggs this year. Uh, you know, the, the NFL is looking for these field stretching, just fast, burn you with their speed type of players. Um, and I think what will work to Hamler's advantage uh, is he can make an impact immediately on special teams. Which is kind of a small plus, not for fantasy football necessarily, but something that will put him on NFL radars uh, that could give him an opportunity to see see the field sooner uh, and get more of a you know an impact role on offense. He's he's quick. He can quickly change direction. You know his lateral quickness. Um, and you know Kane touched on. He's he's a good route runner. You know he's a little small, but I mean Marquise Brown was also small. Uh, he he finally you know he came on well. Uh, Great this year for Penn State. Um, you know, I, I believe he was. I, he redshirted a year, I believe. So you know, he only played two years, uh, if I'm not mistaken, at Penn State. Um, but I definitely think there's going to be a role for him in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think Hamler is definitely moving up a lot of people's boards. Uh, the more the more you watch him, the more you you really like his game. Um, I still ultimately think at this point he's probably a day three pick. However. Uh, I, I think he'll he'll definitely latch on with the team. I, I really do. I think I like his chances of being on a roster uh, come opening day. So, um, and and real quick before we move to on to tight end Kane, you took a chance to brag a little bit as a Wisconsin Badgers fan. I would like to go ahead and uh, just thank all the Minnesota Gopher fans for allowing us to take Paul Bunyan's axe back home this season. So that was uh, that was a big win for us.
2: Yeah, you missed it for a year, didn't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, we sure did. And I did Mm -hmm. not like that being taken on our home field either. I was at that game. That was tough. But uh, got to return the favor this year a little bit. Oh, for
2: sure. Uh, James, can I just butt in one time? I forgot Mm -hmm. a guy in my tier two ranks who's actually my wide receiver three in this class. And I feel awful for forgetting T Higgins um, guy out of Clemson. He is my wide receiver three, Um, you know. There's just so many darn names in that second and third tier. It's hard to remember all of them, Um, but don't sleep on T Higgins. I think he definitely has a chance to go late first round in the NFL draft early second round.
1: Yeah, really good name. Big body there. I like him a lot. One of the names that you did uh, have off your list in tier two, which is a guy who I'm not as high on either, that uh, the community seems to be higher on is Henry Ruggs. So that'll be something that uh, you and I will have to discuss at a later date because I do want to get to the tight ends before we uh, we hit time here. So, Kane, I do want to go back to you this tight end class a lot of people have said that this is a weak tight end class this this is a class that you can kind of kind of ignore um you know tight end premium is starting to become more and more of a thing here and uh the premiums kind of range from you know two point ppr to one and a half point um so tight end can be very important uh to some of these in, in some fantasy leagues kane i'm just gonna outright ask you is this a weak tight end class yes Boom, done. Okay. Now, um, So, um,
2: so I, th- I think part of it is some of the top guys are not going to be like your Evan Ingram type guys that are going to be able to catch, what, 67 70 passes a year. You have guys like Cole Komet. You have guys like my tight end sleeper, Jared Pinkney. You have um, guys like Thad Moss who can all block really well. And th- not only is that a chance for them to uh, get drafted higher by by an NFL team, but that's also going to force them to stay in and block a little more as uh, some of these pass-happy teams are actually moving to more of a two-tight end set with guys that, um, you know, can really take advantage of that linebacker safety coverage. Um, so that that's the one thing that worries me with some of these top guys is that there's just not as many guys that are going to be able to catch passes for your tight end premium leagues. Um, And I think there's a good chance that there's a tight end going round one or round two. But I think they're going to be more of blocking guys than they are actually going to be like game changers for fantasy football
1: gotcha okay okay so so we're we're talking uh you know all around tight ends guys that might be able to to catch a few passes here and there but are going to really excel possibly in the blocking game and that sort of thing more inline type type tight ends so uh that that is that's good for clarity so now we kind of know guys uh if if we're looking at tight ends to all the listeners out there um you know we're looking at uh guys that might be more used in line as blockers and and maybe less showcased in the passing game
2: yeah it it just it just feels like there's a handful of Kyle Rudolphs in this draft.
1: Perfect. And Kane, I, that's what I was going to ask. You. I was going to ask you a follow-up question about, um, you know, is is that kind of what we see? And yeah, you just kind of kind of nailed that. If we got a, a group of Kyle Rudolphs, um, you know, you got some guys that uh, that you can maybe take, uh, depending on your tight end premium, late second, early third, but I just wouldn't expect a high upside. Is that about right?
2: That's 100% the case. Perfect. Yeah, I All think right. Caleb will get into, um, with your next question, some of the guys that I think there's maybe one or two guys actually worth drafting a little higher, but I know Caleb will get into that. And I think we share the same opinion.
1: Oh, perfect. All right. So Caleb, yeah, let's, let's go right on uh, into the question that we got for you. And uh, who are your top three tight ends in this class?
3: Um, That my top three tight ends in this class. uh, So, I mean, like Kane touched, (laughs) we're playing fantasy football. We don't want guys that can block. Uh, (laughs) You know, I, I really don't care if my tight end is, that great of a blocker. Now you want him to be good enough to where he's not a total liability, and they've got to pull him off the field anytime they're going to run the ball or you know need any type of blocking. So um, my number one tight end uh, is Hunter Bryant, uh, the tight end out of Washington. I just think he has the most upside as just a receiver. Uh, you can probably you can put him out in the slot. He can line up on the line of scrimmage and run routes. Um, he's not a liability as a blocker, so they're not going to have to take him off the field. Uh, number two is Bryson Hopkins out of uh, Notre, or Purdue. Sorry, um, Came on strong this year. Um, you know, had decent production prior to this year, but this year really showed what he can do as a receiver. Uh, kind of that dual threat ability to li- line up and block or line up in the slot and block or block in the slot or catch from the slot. Uh, and then three, um, you know, I went back and forth on this. And I went with Albert o, uh, I think Kane can pronounce his last name. I'm not even going to attempt it. Um,
2: Agwekwabunam.
3: So there you have it. Albert <laughs> O is what I'll continue to refer to him as. Um, it was between him and Cole Komet. Um, the reason I went with Albert O is the, the tight end position is just, it's it's gross. There's just so many guys out there that we hold on to that we think can make an impact you know, your David Njoku's, your, uh, you know, Johnnie Smith's even though Smith did come on there in the playoffs. So, you know, th- those are all guys that are super athletic that were drafted kind of off their athleticism um, and Alberto kind of fits that mold. So I- I'm skeptical to have him there as three, but there's just no denying what that guy can do at six, 200 and, you know, what, 60 pounds, probably, you know, he's probably close to that the way he moves and, you know can burn you downfield as a pass catcher i just i can't let that go on so i'd be willing to take a shot on him as my uh third tight end
1: nice yeah it sounds like this is the kind of class that you can take a shot on that upside too that's that's there with an athletic guy like that before we get into your sleepers i want to ask you gentlemen about one tight end in particular um a guy who i find um very difficult to rank. And that is Thad Moss, the tight end out of LSU, a guy who kind of came on late in the year. Um, And it, 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 uh, it sounds like he's, he's declared. So what's, uh, what do we expect from a guy like that from Thad Moss? I mean, he, he kind of flashed playing in a high profile offense, uh, but uh, we haven't really seen a lot of him. Um There's been some off the field stuff. What do you guys think about Thad Moss? Is there, is he worth any type of draft capital late in drafts?
3: Uh, I mean, he, he's definitely worth draft capital. I think he's going to be a guy that um, we could see ranked anywhere from number one to, you know, number 10 on ranks. I, I just, I don't know where he's going to fall for me. He, you know, is a transfer. He's got one year um, of production. You know, his freshman year, he had basically no catches or yards or anything. So he's a phenomenal blocker. Um, you know, he might be the best blocking tight end in this class. Um, And towards the end of the year for LSU, he kind of flashed what he can do catching the ball. Uh, My only concern is that he did it in an offense that threw 60 touchdowns for 5,000 yards and his quarterback won the Heisman Trophy. And, you know, they won the national championship. Everything was kind of perfect for him this year. So I'm just a little skeptical that, you know, the, the offense that he was in this year, plus the fact that he's Randy Moss's son and he got a lot of national media for that that people are going to be a little higher on him than they should because of that. Um, but in a week tight end class, I mean, he's, he's definitely in my top 10 uh, and, you know, in a tight end premium league, he's, he's worth taking a flyer on.
1: I appreciate the feedback on that guys. Let's get to your sleepers and Kane, you have a sleeper that I really want to hear about because I've been intrigued by this guy for a little bit now. So Kane, give me your tight end sleeper in this class.
2: Um, so this, this guy is going to be just like one of the Kyle Rudolphs I was alluding to earlier. Um, so Jared Pinckney out of Vanderbilt, um, I think, I think it was Matt Hicks at the FF underscore educator that put out a tweet that when he's catching passes, he looks like a wide receiver when he's blocking and pulling and getting out in front of running backs. He looks like a guard. Um, so it's really the best of both worlds. It's one of those Kyle Rudolph type players. Um, his blocking is going to get him drafted early or well earlier than if he was just kind of a receiver. Um, I, I like him. I, I have him as my tight end three right now. Um, in obviously in a weak class, but you know, he's a guy that's athletic enough to do really well in the red zone. Um, he, he excels everywhere. Um, um, So there's not really a weakness to his game. I think the only weakness that you could say is he's not always, he's not going to be the fastest tight end. um, And he might not be the absolute strongest, but his blocking technique and his route running technique um, is really good. He he can easily find a soft spot in zone coverage. And I think that's another thing that will really help him excel in the NFL. And hopefully um, he can become a little more of a PPR monster with that um, kind of how well he does in zone
1: coverage. Nice. I like that. I love the, yeah, the mental image that you painted uh, when you described Matt's tweet about that, uh, you know, a, a looks like a guard when he pulls and looks like a receiver when he's out in the route and, r- and running a around. So that's, that's really cool. I enjoy that mental image. So Caleb, let's go to you, man. What is, who is your sleeper tight end here? When uh, so you, we can wrap this up this episode up here.
3: Uh, my sleeper tight end uh, is Harrison, Harrison Bryant, a uh, tight end out of Florida Atlantic. Um, <clears throat> he He's not going to be your best blocker. Um, you know, he's, he does not do um, very well, you know, on the line of scrimmage. Uh, this is a reason that FAU lined him up a lot out in the slot. Um, you know, almost looks more like a wide receiver uh, than tight end because he's just not asked to block a lot, but He's very athletic, uh, he was productive. He had over 2,000 yards receiving and six, 16 touchdowns in his four years. Uh, he's tall, you know you can line him up in the slot and he can run routes. Um, he is as long as he can clean up his blocking just a little bit to not be um, you know a total liability uh, that NFL teams keep him off the field, I think he's someone that could come in and, and be drafted a little higher than people might be anticipating and make an impact sooner than later
1: nice very nice okay so guys uh thank you so much for wrapping that up brian i'm gonna throw it to you for the last word do you have any last words on any of these rookies anything that we covered today you want anything uh anything that you want to add here No, man,
0: these guys hit it, hit it out of the park uh, tonight. So really appreciate you boys coming on. Um, Gives me personally a lot to think about and and a lot to look into. So um, that's why we bring, bring these guests on uh, that know
1: what they're talking about. So
0: I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah
1: awesome yeah we're bringing in the heavy hitters uh so thank you again to caleb and to kane uh again everyone please follow uh caleb on twitter at pearson at p-i-e-r-s-o-n-f-f that's where you can find him on twitter and make sure you follow kane to at Devi kane uh, i'm sorry at Devi underscore kane k-a-n-e uh, make sure you're following both these guys on Twitter. Also, make sure that you check out the Debbie Marketplace. Uh, you guys do a fantastic job on that, uh, on that uh, uh, that podcast there. Um, you guys cover everything, all debbie related, anything um, that's uh, that's out there that you guys can cover. You guys do a fantastic job of it. And you can find all of us at dynastyweekfootball.com as part of the DLF family. And uh, before we let you, what uh, all you listeners go. First off, we do want to send a thank you out um, to uh, Heart and Soul Radio for their use of the song, The Addiction. Special thanks to Dynasty League Football family of podcasts and the entire DLF staff for their ongoing support. Make sure that you give us a rate and review if you listen to us on a platform that allows that. That helps us get provide the best content for you and to get everything out that we want to to our listeners, that will be beneficial for you. Also, make sure to follow and send us your questions, trade polls to the uh the podcast channel on Twitter at Superflex Show. Uh, we can retweet those, we can help you out with those, and we may even cover any of those trades on the show. So, thank you again, everybody, for joining us. And above all else, stay sexy and super flex. Yeah.